Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I'm Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. And this is part four, I think, of our Keen Odyssey, our deep dive into Roy Keane's second autobiography. Um, the second half. That's what it's called, yeah. It's subtitled, You Can Stick Your Fucking Skateboard. Yeah. We're up to the part now. So, uh, he's the manager of Sunderland. He's been at Sunderland for a little while. He's uh, he's had an office chair that swivels around. He's had a little fight in his office with Liam Lawrence, a bit of a grapple. He's been living as a student in Durham. And um, the next notable bit in the book is a post-match conversation where uh, he, he says, um, a year later, Blackburn came up to the stadium alight. Mark Hughes, who I'd played with at United, was managing Blackburn, and they beat us 2-1. They robbed us. Everyone was listening to the conversation between myself and Mark in my office after the game. He asked me where I lived. Durham. How long does it take you to get from Manchester to Durham? About two and a half hours. How many miles is it? Door to door. I'm not knocking him. I've got time for Sparky. But we couldn't <laughs> be ourselves. <laughs> and he says, you can't express the feelings you've got in front of the other team's managers and staff. So he says, uh, I answered him. 138, I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> when he left my staff were going what the fuck was that about <laughs> Sparky for a man whose nickname is Sparky and I don't know why people all know why yeah. I don't know why. he's yeah I mean it doesn't surprise me that he is a bit of a dullard yeah. he comes across that way doesn't he yeah but that is another example of why this book is so good and why we're devoting so much time to it is that <laughs> That kind of insight you don't fucking get in other football memoirs. No. Like, that is... He's obviously... He's writing it that with Roddy Doyle, who's a very good novelist and has an eye and a, and a and an instinct for the tiny little details of human behaviour that are revealing and compelling. And and that's the sort of thing that you wouldn't get in a normal football book. But it's just like a little under. <laughs> you think, that's fucking fascinating. It's so awkward. They've just gone up against each other and there's this weird tradition... Um, that they have to get together and they don't fucking want to, but they have to get together and have a drink with each other. But there was he, always that story about Arsene Wenger was the only one who didn't go and have a glass of wine yeah. or whatever. And so he, he, went, saw, he went up there anyway, though. Yeah, but you, he went up to his office anyway. You, you fucking still have a look. Yeah, just have a look around. But you, you think about it and you think, yeah, well, fucking Wenger was right because the whole thing, as Roy Keane says, is completely contrived and awkward, yeah. a waste of time, and it's painful for everyone concerned. We haven't got to the Wenger bit, actually. That's probably to come later in this episode. Yeah, but yeah. He, he, he says uh, Steve, he, the only one he rates in that situation is Steve Cotterell. He goes, he was managing Burnley, 
um, after the game, uh, everyone he goes usually whether you win, lose, or draw, you have to put on a front and be friendly, even if it's the last thing you feel like. Yeah. Oh yeah, well played. Who've got next week and all that? He goes, but Steve came in. He said, um, uh, and he went. Uh, all right, lads. All right. Steve Cottrell talks like this, you know. All right. All right, lads. <laughs> and he put then he put his head on his desk and he went, "You fucking lucky bastards." <laughs> You fucking lucky, lucky bastards robbed us. <laughs> and Roy says, it was brilliant. He was being himself, honest. He wasn't going, well done, lads. Good game. Here's a Diet Coke, Roy. Well played. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> Weird that he's really specific about here's a Diet what, Coke. What kind of pot noodle do you want, Roy? He goes, we all do it. We all, we all go, the fucking bastards. But only after the other team have got on their bus and gone home. But Steve did it in front of us. We all relaxed. We were laughing. So there you go. He rates uh, Cottrell, but not so much Husey. But that's the thing, though. Him, him and Hughes have had conversations in the past, personal conversations as, as teammates, but because they've got staff around them, they don't feel as though they can be themselves in the way they want to be. Yeah. So uh, how many miles is it door-to-door? <laughs> I, don't, I think it's about 138. <laughs> how, many, uh, how many miles is that as the crow flies? Do you know? <laughs> uh, I don't think I've looked that up. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, Mark. <laughs> can, you, can you can you do it one way on a full tank of petrol, or do you need to stop? What are the services like on route? Well, generally I stop at Weatherby Services. <laughs> it's quite it's quite close to the destination when I'm coming from Manchester, but it's a very well laid out service station. It's got the Costa, it's got an M and S, it's got a Greggs. <sighs> You can. It's got an outdoor Greggs, like a little hut. You can. You can serve a Greggs. You don't need to go indoors or use the toilets or anything like that. You can serve a sausage roll and a cup of coffee and be on your way within a couple of minutes. Go on, those arcades. You know the ones with the dancing machine and and the, and the towers light up like in that video. What's it called now? Billy Jean. Billy Jean's not my lover. <laughs> And and all the tyres are lighting up and you have to follow them with your feet. And they, they go faster and faster and faster. They speed yeah. the music up the more you do. And you get points. You get points and you, you're, out, you're on there like fucking Bruce Farsight doing a tap dance. <laughs> I'm on there on the top score. I'm number two and number five on the top score at the moment. You ever go past this, Mark? You try and beat my top score. You on won't way back. be able to. You do it on the way back. Carl in Seagull. <laughs> give me a call. Tell me how you've done. If you get top ten, I'll give you £100. pounds. <laughs> Because <laughs> I tell you, I put the hours in, <laughs> and they got the they got the machines as well. But it's it's not for the kiddies. They got the bit where it's roped off. And you got to be over eighteen to go in. I like to go in there. I like to be among adults. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> if you want, if you got the time, then you can play a game of space hockey. You know, air hockey, and you're knocking the fucking disc up and down. You can get fucking fierce on those games, by the way. <laughs> And get ugly. <laughs> you know how I approach everything, Sparky. I approach to fucking win. Sometimes I play that with lorry drivers. Strangers. <laughs> I look at them, they look at me. We both know what we both want. We both take our shirts off first. <laughs> That's how you know it's serious. And then Stop we bang the kiddies. And then we get together and bang that fucking disc up and down the table for <laughs> half an hour. Growling. <laughs> Like fucking angry bears. Like adults. It's good to be around adults all the time. Adults bears. <laughs> Not the wee teddy bears. They're pathetic. Oh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll call in there. I'll call in there, Roy. Yeah, that sounds pretty good, yeah. This is it! The next notable bit. There's, um, <laughs> again, again, it's about talking to other managers after matches. And he has a conversation with Ian Holloway. 
who yeah. also talks like Steve Cottrell. Yeah. <laughs> Ian Holloway was managing Plymouth, he says. I didn't get a real chance to celebrate the victory because Ian pulled me into a meeting to tell me all about the problems he was having getting training facilities. I was thinking... I don't give a shit about your training facilities. I just want a game. <laughs> I just want a game of football. I don't give a shit about your training facilities. You fucking bumpkin. <laughs> Thing is, Roy, I can't even get cones that match. <laughs> I mean, Plymouth's a lovely club, lovely people, and there's a, you know a lovely chairman and everything like that. Great family atmosphere, but there's just not the budget. I can't get cones. I some some of the cones are blue, some <laughs> of the cones are red. There's like seventeen red, nine blue, and I I can't put them out in a formation. It's confusing. Me, it's confusing for the lads. It's confusing for the lads. It's, it's playing havoc with my OCD. <laughs> So what happens next? Uh, he tries to sign David Nugent. Oh, I remember this vividly. It was going to be our big summer transfer. Yeah. I think it was um, our first season in the Premier League. But he runs into trouble because he's um, uh, Nugent can't decide because he's waiting for an offer, a counter-offer from Portsmouth. Yeah. And that fucks Roy off. It, well, it would do, wouldn't it? No disrespect to Portsmouth, but Sunderland's a considerably bigger football club. Yeah. Um, the weather's not as good, but you know. Uh, and Harry Redknapp was in charge of Portsmouth at the time, so Nugent was being lured by God knows what from Harry Redknapp, and it went on and on for weeks and weeks. Uh, so this had gone on for three or four weeks. He's waiting for for Redknapp to decide if he wanted to buy Nugent, and I think it was um, I think it was Nugent's agent who said. Uh, he said, just to put you in the picture, Harry's away this weekend on his wedding anniversary. He's been married for 40 or 50 years. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. He to was, his Sandra. Yeah. And he wants to speak to David when he gets back. I said, I'll tell you what, I've waited three or four weeks and now you're asking me to wait because of Harry Redknapp's wedding anniversary. We're pulling out of the deal. <laughs> Fuck Harry Redknapp's fucking wedding anniversary. I don't care if he's been married for a hundred fucking years. <laughs> Fucking anniversary. What is he, a fucking child? Look, if it's a silver one or a golden one, I don't give a fuck. All you do is you have a party, you go to the local pub, you hide upstairs room, you have a bit of a, an ease up, and then you go about your business. You carry on. <laughs> it's the summer, it's the time when football deals are done, so you just get on with it. Just have your little party. You don't. Where's he gone anyway? Where's he gone? You go up there, you have your sausage rolls, you have your mini sausages. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, beer and house wine. If there's some people there who want to drink the wine, like... And you, but anything else, spirits, no, that's not part of it. You, no. you got to pay for them yourself. No. And and that's it. That's done. A nice beige buffet. Sausage rolls, pasties. Pastry all Garlic around. bread. All of that sort of stuff. None of this prawns nonsense. No one fucking wants a prawn. <laughs> you don't need to bother with all that fucking foreign shite. And you don't need a DJ evil, just put a CD on. Put whatever the, the latest now one is. What are they up to now? Now 19? Put that on. <laughs> fucking ridiculous, you know. I remember fucking now one. I bought now one on tape <laughs> for my Walkman. What I'm saying is, David, fuck yourself. Fuck you and your skateboard. You can fucking skateboard down to Portsmouth for all I care. We're pulling out of the deal. Well, you dodged a bullet anyway, because he was uh, he not was very good. Rubbish, he, yeah. he couldn't cut the mustard in the Premier League, David. I'm trying to think who we got instead. We ended up getting Gibral Cissé, but Better. that was just that was just on loan. Um, I like Cissé. He was a bit mad. Yeah, he was. Um, he, he he bought the title of Lord Cissé of Frodsham or something like that when right. he was living up there when good he was at lad. Liverpool. He bought himself a title. You got to admire anybody that does that. Yeah, like. Uh, 
Chris Eubank did that as well, didn't he? Made yeah. himself Earl of Brighton or yeah. Baron of Brighton or something. Yeah. Brilliant. Put it on the side of his truck. Yeah. This is it! Yeah, and then the the Wenger thing that we were um, mentioned earlier on, he said, we weren't invited for a drink with Arsene Wenger at the Arsenal game. Apparently he's not one for that tradition. But I went in anyway. <laughs> I'm fucking going up there anyway. What the fuck's Where he is up it? to up there? Fucking I... fiddling with himself, is he? <laughs> After the game, I bet that's what he's up to. The filthy cunt. I'll go up and catch him at it. You should you see the fucking look in his face when I walk in and see him fiddling with himself. I don't care if the door's locked, I'll kick it in. I'll kick it in. What are you doing in there, Arson? You're looking yourself in the mirror fiddling with your wee fucking prick. It's disgusting. Let me in, it's Roy Keane. <laughs> fucking hell, have to be a man. This is football. <laughs> it's not Weatherby Services. <laughs> Come on now What the hell do you think you're doing? Come on now you, You're a grown man Get the wine out You're not a teenager now <laughs> You know it's fine When you're a teenager To be fucking Fiddling with yourself Left, after right the, and centre After the football's been on football's Relaxing It's your man You've got responsibilities yeah, We all need to wind down In different ways But this is unacceptable <laughs> I'm sure there's a code of conduct In the Premier League <laughs> I mean In France it might be normal But you're in England now You've been here for fucking years Come on! Show yourself! Not like that! <laughs> he says, uh, I went in anyway, I wanted to meet him. I look at some managers and I think, the experience they have, it comes out of their paws. It wasn't coming out of his paws, I can tell you that! I tell you what was coming out of his paws. <laughs> it was fucking disgusting too. <laughs> so we walked in and he was in, it says. We walked in, he was surprised, but then nice. Mon <laughs> <laughs> <Bon> Dieu! <laughs> Monday, say Rockin. <laughs> That's right. Say Rockin. And I'm a manager now. I'm one of you. That's right, you cunt. <laughs> Remember me from the tunnel when you're throwing the pizzas around and all that shite. <laughs> when you had that lad Patrick Vieira. Bullying my little friend Gary Neville. When you used to let that fella Patrick Vieira walk around here having it off with ghosts. <laughs> it's no way to run a football club. If I knew one of my players was trying to secretly have sex with ghosts, do you know what I'd do? I'd suspend him. I'd dock him two weeks' wages. And now you're sitting here rubbing yourself after the football match. What kind of organisation you're running here? Nothing surprises me. This is London. This is why I never fucking manage a London club. It's like fucking Soho around here. <laughs> what you got going on? It's not like fucking sex clubs, not football clubs. I've never seen anything like that in my life. It's not like this in Cork. <laughs> this is it. So next up, what have we got? Another en- another encounter post-match with another manager or staff member. Uh, the game at Reading, just before Christmas, was the only time I really lost my temper as a manager. I'd lost my temper... <laughs> Bollocks. <laughs> he's already fucking given us... Even like in the last chat, the last fucking episode, he was having a fight on the floor with Liam Lawrence. And he's kicking tactics and balls kicking tactics And he's going, this was the only... Honestly, I never lost my temper. It's the only time. He says the game already was the only time I really lost my temper. So he's, he's qualified there with really. He said I'd lost my temper before, but I'd used my temper. This time I used physical force, <laughs> which is unlike me. <laughs> I grabbed a staff member, put his head on the table, and tried to pull his tie off. But he was a Reading staff member, not one of ours. <laughs> oh my god. I wonder if that was acceptable for him to do it within his own staff yeah. members if they expected to bully your own employees. To be roughed up a little bit after a match. Um, 
Steve Koppel was managing Reading and he had a couple of lads working with him, Wally Downs and Kevin Dillon. I looked across at their dugout and Kevin Dillon was looking back across calling me a wanger. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Who the fuck is this Kevin Dillon bloke? Jesus. Hard lad, Kevin Dillon. Yeah. Hard lad. Uh, I go, what, me? He goes, yeah, yeah, you're always on at the fucking referee. I said nothing back. Yeah. I never got involved with opposition managers or staff. Never. We got to half time and I'm walking back to the tunnel beside Kevin Dillon and I say, are you calling me a wanker? Are you calling me a wanker? And he goes, well, you're always on at the referee. I said, I never said fuck all to the referee. Who the fuck are you calling a wanker? <laughs> It's building up. But I went to our dressing room and thought no more of it. The second half, and we're robbed again in injury time. Stephen Hunt got a shot in and the linesman on the far side reckoned it was over the line. It wasn't, but the goal was given. It was another big, big loss for us. At the end of the game, walking down the stairs, I saw Wally down shaking all my players' hands. Unlucky lads. You generally don't see staff shaking the other team's hands. I said nothing. <laughs> Again, I said nothing. It had been a big win for Reading. There was a lot of celebrating. I went into our dressing room. I wasn't annoyed with the players more than the decision. I spoke to the players and staff. Okay, we're all upset, but whatever we do, we're Sunderland. We show a bit of class. We accept the decision. We move on and get ready for next week. The players were getting themselves organised and I was waiting for my staff to go in for a drink with Steve Coppel and the Reading lads. <laughs> I didn't want to, but I kept thinking, we're Sunderland, we'll do things properly. <laughs> well, they might catch them touching themselves as well, why are they in there? I like to fucking keep an eye on them. Find out what they're fucking up to, because you never know. I like to see their hands. <laughs> hands on the tables, Everyone, lads. hands on the fucking tables Roy's now. coming in. <laughs> the staff were taking ages, so I said, I'll go on, lads, follow me in. <laughs> <laughs> so he invited himself in. He was probably doing that thing you see in Vietnam movies where yeah. he makes hand signals. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, puts two fingers out and then points forward. Yeah. I walked into Steve's office. Wally Downs was there and their director of football, Nick Hammond. Kevin Dillon was sitting down. But can I, look, I just want to quickly show you because I'm thinking, who the fuck is this mad cunt, Kevin, Kevin Dillon, Dillon yeah. to be looking at Roy Keane during a game and calling him a wanker? Yeah. So I found a great picture. Uh, obviously this is oh. useless to our uh, uh, listeners but I will Fucking tweet it hell. out where he just looks like a he looks Mentalist. like a man who'd be willing to take on yeah. Roy Keane so uh, I go well done lads well done Wally was right in front of me and I said Wally do you always shake players hands after you've just beaten them and he goes yeah Roy yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's picking them out one by one isn't he and as I was talking to Wally Kevin Dillon stood up and goes don't you come in here and I grabbed him got his head on the table pulled his tie up <laughs> I'm fucking warning you Nick Hammond grabbed me what are you doing you fucking get out of our office <laughs> I went <laughs> I went fuck yous anyway <laughs> <laughs> I love it like about one paragraph earlier he's going no we're Sunderland we're class we class <laughs> we do things the right way no I had his head what. on the table I had and his I head on his the tie. table <laughs> fucking hell Dylan said what are you having to go at me for I'm a Sunderland man which he is he's originally from Sunderland uh, I went fuck you and I walked out <laughs> my staff hadn't come in yet <laughs> that makes that... Kevin Dillon sound like a shitbag, doesn't yeah. it? Because it's like he's yeah. given it the mouth, yeah, and then as soon as Roy's kicked off, yeah, he's, he's gone. gone oh, I'm Sunderland, oh, I'm Sunderland. Oh, don't start hurt me. me. I'm Sunderland. But we, you know, Kevin Dillon's not here to defend himself. No, no. I don't expect Roy Keane to have given a fully kind of objective perspective on it. I like how that's the first time with any of this we've said such and such isn't here to defend themselves after we've just basically rewritten Roy Keane's well, life. I, the reason I've said that is because Professor Yaffle's not been here to defend himself. And that's we, true. We did hear from Professor Yaffle's agent. people. Yeah. yeah. 
and they said, listen, there's a right to reply issue here, which we will address, if not in this episode. There is possibly going to be an episode at the end of all this where we sit down with Yaffle and go through all the various points and yeah. get, his, get his side of the story. Just in the interests of balance. Yeah, of course. He said... <laughs> I wasn't going back to Sunderland that night with the players. I was going up to Manchester, so I had a car ri- waiting for me to take me via Weatherby Services. <laughs> my phone went off 10 minutes later. It was one of my staff. Everything all right, Gaffer? So he's basically attacked Dylan and then left without saying anything to any of his staff. <laughs> so they don't know what's happened. He said, I hadn't given them a heads up about what had happened in Steve Coppel's office. They'd followed me in after I'd left. <laughs> all right, lads, I said. And somebody said, your manager has just attacked one of our staff. <laughs> and apparently Raymond van der Gau, our goalkeeping coach, said, well, can we still have a sandwich? <laughs> Good man. That's exactly what I'd be thinking. I'd be like, look, fine, whatever's happened, happened. But yeah. if you fucking done me out of my post-match yeah. sandwich, I won't be happy. To which they said, no, I think it's best if you leave. Oh, fucking hell. Can you imagine Steve Coppel having to sit back and watch that happen? Yeah, because he's a he, sensitive fella, isn't he? Steve Coppel's a troubled man anyway. Yeah, he's always got. He's always had that worried look on his face, yeah. hasn't he? Like he's on the verge. He's a, he's anxious. He's you know looks very often like he might it's be about to cry, holding his head, going no, yeah. no, yeah, yeah. no. Because when stop when, when he was younger, Roy! I thought he was going to be a future England manager because yeah. you know he had a great Palace team. And then he did all right at a few other clubs. He was at City for a while and did all right. And it, no, he was at City for 33 days and then it oh, got yeah, too much and he had a goal. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That was it. And then so obviously he has anxiety issues, whether there's mental health issues or whatever. But other than that, aside from that, he was. I think he was a good manager undone by some sort of anxiety. When he was on the up, he was very much on the up, wasn't he? Yeah. And so that's why when you think of him being thrust into this sort of situation, it is horrible. Because it would have, he would have really upset him. He would have, when it all started kicking off, he would have just gone it curled up into a ball <clears> and started beating himself on the head and yeah, crying, yeah. or covering his ears oh, or something like that. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, Very rainy thing. Yeah, yeah. As um, as Kane pressed Kevin Dillon's head down on the on the desk. Yeah. Jalapeno. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jalapeño. There's a story everyone knows, really, which is about when uh, he almost signed Robbie Savage for Sunderland. And he'd been in touch. Was it Mark Hughes? Was it Blackburn? I think he was, wasn't he? And he'd said, yeah. Hughes had said, you know, it's not working out here for him, but it could definitely do a job for you at Sunderland. Which sounds to me as if he's kind of saying, well, you know, fucking have him fobbing him off yeah yeah he's no good for us but he'll be good enough for you you prick 
Spotty gave me permission to give him a call, so I got Robbie's mobile number and rang him. It went to his voicemail. Hi, it's Robbie! <laughs> What's up? <laughs> like the Budweiser ad. <clears throat> I never called him back. I thought, I can't be fucking signing that. Yeah. He, so he turned him down on the basis of a voicemail. Give a voicemail. But that's quite astute. This is what it's about. It's about not signing players that you've seen on YouTube a few times. It's about getting inside their heads and trying to work out if their characteristics are going to fit your football club and your ethos. This is it! There's a nice little mention here when uh, Sunderland play uh, at Wigan and they win a good, tough, ugly result. We all like one of them. But then we went and got beat by Portsmouth. Carnu came on as a sub and I think some of our lads were being dead nice to him. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't tackling him or aggressive enough and that's Carno in a nutshell isn't it because he's just a lovely fella we've, we've established this before you wouldn't be able to would you I mean he's a giant for one thing so yeah well, I mean you, yeah, you can't you get near his face you wouldn't want to take him on anyway but also if you knew what you knew do you know what I mean like about his lonely <laughs> about times his, his, at exactly Arsenal, there's the sadness driving around the, the sadness, sadness in his, his eyes, eyes yeah. yeah the sadness in his eyes yeah you'd be like I can't fucking hurt a man like this. Yeah. They might have been warming up warming up before the match and sort of overhearing Carnu, or maybe not overhearing, he might have just been warming up by himself in the corner because yeah. perhaps he didn't make all that many friends, quite socially awkward, yeah. possibly because of his height. Yeah. Or he might have been, like you say, talking to some of the lads about the problems he's having with the, the one-way system in Portsmouth and yeah. higher yeah. cars because Portsmouth and London are two different animals altogether, aren't they? You know, if you're driving around Portsmouth, it's it's not the same as, as driving around near Highbury. Well, I know the Portsmouth. I know Portsmouth quite well because of the amount of time I spend in the Isle of Wight. Right. So there is a tricky one. That's something system. you don't want to go into. Though it's, it's a tax evasion thing. Or I, let's just say it's not entirely to a tax. Although it, there are legal reasons. It's, there's a, it's an issue with the government whereby they have made it. Uh, they they forced me into a situation where I'm obliged to spend 60% of the year on the Isle of Wight. Yeah. So, right, okay. let's leave it at that. So you do spend a lot of time in Portsmouth. There's a one-way system in Portsmouth that can get tricky and confusing, but would probably that would be welcomed by Carmi. Yeah, because see, it's a just, challenge. You just keep going round and round. See, it's a it. mental challenge, possibly. Yeah. It's, a bus it's a puzzle. Bus lanes? Sam, Many bus every, lanes? Road to, every city is a puzzle. Who said that to you, Carmi? Yeah. <laughs> I see every city simply as a puzzle. You see a city as a place to live or work. I see it as a gigantic puzzle. To be unlocked. Yeah, to be, to be solved. solved. Yeah. <laughs> I solved the puzzle of London, now I shall solve Portsmouth. It is the ambition of myself, Carnu, to visit every major city in the British Isles. <laughs> and solve it. And tackle their puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> On four wheels. Even Norwich. <laughs> but I will, I will leave Norwich to last. <laughs> This is it! It was all starting to go wrong for Roy at Sunderland because um, now Quinn had been the chairman when he took over. And then we got a new um, a new owner who was a Texan billionaire called Ellis Short. Um, he used to wear a cowboy hat. He used to do finger guns. He used to shout, yeah! What a nightmare. I mean, that sort of conduct... In, I might have made that up. In Sunderland, they don't... You don't you're not keen on that kind of carry-on, are you? Well... You'd be surprised because the line dancing was quite big for a while. Really? In the late 90s in some of the so uh, social clubs. You don't mind cowboys? I've got no objection to cowboys at all. But if someone started carrying on with the finger pounding and the yee-haws, 
Because, you know, you Sunderland folk, you pride yourselves on being quite understated and undramatic. Mm-hmm. You don't like... like to, um, you don't like showing off, do you? We like to let loose now and again, though, at yeah, weekends. But, but not in a showy-offy way. Well, if, if, if that's what happens, then that's what happens. But, yeah, that, <laughs> that was Ella Short. So he, he tapped into our, our yearning to be cowboys. And he, he was one. He was a Texan. Yeah. And he had shitloads of money, so we liked that as well. So uh, Roy says about him, Ella Short was more hands-on. Than, than Quinn had been there were more phone calls than previously I got used to that but I don't think I wonder if the phone calls came through as regularly as Kane was able to take them with his, his problem with the phone what's system. the fucking machine making the noise for it again ring 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 in my fucking head someone come in here and stop it it's it's regular again there's a light and which what, do I press the button with the lines on I pick it up and I fucking drop kick the cunt out the window <laughs> Niall would come in and say it's the, it's the eighth fucking phone you've smashed this week <laughs> we can't afford it they got me a new phone in just for the phone calls from the new owner it was red like the one in Batman and it used to light up there were no line buttons or anything on I it I like that or any numbers or any dials I just had to pick it up and speak to him it was simple it made things better so he says uh there were more phone calls. I don't think he knew much about football. He dropped me the odd text. You're playing the Gunners, man. You've got to beat them. <laughs> Can you imagine Roy Kicker? fuck? <laughs> Who's this? Who's sending me this? Is it one of the students from Durham? One of my old mates. Oh, it's quite nice. I haven't heard from them for a while. No. It's some fella called Ellis. <laughs> kind of a name's that for a man. It might be a student, actually. <laughs> You're playing the Gunners, man. You've got to beat them. The fucking Gunners. I don't recognise nicknames. I never have and I never will. <laughs> They're stupid. They're childish. And he rang me a few times at the training ground as well. Can you imagine that? Oh, God. Hey, Roy. How's it going? Hey, coach. Yeah. Co- coach Roy. That's yeah. what I call him. <laughs> coach Roy. It's Ellis here. <laughs> What's the situation down on the ground there? Ground zero. What's the situation with the guys? Uh, I, I, I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm busy at the moment. <laughs> I'm in the middle of a very intense training session. I lied. I was at Weatherby Services <laughs> playing under air hockey. I was about to do me dancing. <laughs> so uh, it started to get really tense. Um... Ellis Short wasn't happy with the amount of time Kane was spending at Sunderland. Uh, he said, uh, your location, where you live, you need to move up here with your family. I was in the third year of a three-year contract. The arrangement, the flat in Durham, my family in Manchester, had suited everybody till now. And it certainly suited me because I had an alternative lifestyle that nobody knew about. I was spending <laughs> all my time in the student digs. By this time, the Xbox had come out <laughs> on the market and I was playing FIFA most nights with it, the lads. What it was was, it was a machine and you, you plug it into your television, but you don't watch a film on it. <laughs> well, it's like a film. You join in in the film. But, but you have a, a, a wee control and there's wee men and they're playing the football and you're controlling them like you do in your dreams. It's like you inside the heads. And the other fellas... It's perfect Se- football. Sebastian and Julian, who were my best pals by this stage, they liked it too. And we'd smoke the old cannabis cigarettes. <laughs> and uh, you'd, you'd become absorbed in it. And I oh, I got into this band. They were one of the new ones. They were called the Radioheads. 
and the, some of the music oh it's confusing at first but once Sebastian had given me some of the the, the old wacky backy and I'd been playing on the machine oh it's a great night the lads got me hooked into the radio heads they played me some of the some of the catchy ones they did first of all I loved them I used to do used to go on the radio head setting on the dancing machine at Weatherby Services <laughs> and I'd managed to get top of the leaderboard on that but then but then there's a, another side to radio heads they play these other songs they're a little bit weird they make you think a little bit more they're not for dancing they're for sitting and thinking and once you've had one of them cigarettes and your head starts to feel a bit funny oh I tell you you could spend a, a whole night just listening to side two of Kid A <laughs> yeah. hell to the fucking teeth I didn't like that one it filled my head with all sort of confusing thoughts that I'd never want to revisit again in my life so things about politics in there I didn't know so stuff about George W. Bush I thought he was a nice man he had a nice smile but apparently he was a baddie <laughs> and I said to Sebastian have you not got any fucking upbeat stuff like the Arbitrals or something like that <laughs> the bleeps and the bleeps <laughs> so Keane says I said to Short we've had a bit of success why should I move up now Short said I think it's important that you live in the area <laughs> I'm not sure if I said something like why don't you move up <laughs> he lived in London I'm not sure if I said so. That's bit, that's just him saying yes. I did say this, isn't it? I'm not <laughs> sure if I said something like, "Why don't you move up?" I might have done. My, my, my judgment was cloudy. He lived in London, but I did say, "I'm not moving. I'm in the last six or seven months of my contract anyway." That's not really how contracts work, is it? In no. the last six or seven months, you'd be looking for an extension or yeah, trying to think, plan ahead not for the Roy. future. No, not right. He's One like, job Fuck at a time. You. I'm off after this. You can't tell me where to live. <laughs> That's basically how it went down as well. I tell that you what, was... I, I tell you what, I'm going to fucking do. I, I, I will move, but I'm moving further away, not nearer. <laughs> How'd you like that, you cunt? <laughs> I'm moving over to Durham, and I'm going to going to move into the Days Inn Hotel at Weatherby, <laughs> right next to the machines <laughs> and the Gregs. It suits me there. It's got everything I need. <laughs> I'm a kind of a pioneer. Jose Mourinho will copy me in a few years, no doubt. And you know, I'll miss Sebastian and Jules. They're a nice couple of lads, but they'll have to just learn to live without me there. <laughs> They've almost graduated. They'll have to get jobs somewhere. <laughs> Probably in a Days in Hotel, to be quite honest, because they're not the brightest. <laughs> he says, uh, it might have been a different conversation if we'd been talking face-to-face. Then I might have said, well, if I sign a new contract, I'll move up. I can understand that. But I said, it's not affected results previously. Then he says, the conversation didn't end well. <laughs> <laughs> it was a case of, no one tells me where I should live. And the accusation that I was only coming in one day a week hung there. Well, I I respect him for this entirely. Mm. I mean, you know, he'd done all right. He'd been there a while. There'd been no complaints. Suddenly someone starts accusing him. The players mostly hated him, I think. I can't imagine him it being true that he only went in once a week. And also, it's like, don't fucking tell me where to live. Fuck that. If I'm doing my job properly, but they hated him, did they? Well, there were rumours that some of them did, but he, you know, he, he sort of his main idol, really. Even though he'd worked with Fergie all them years, Clough was his idol. Yeah, and Clough used to do that. Clough would be really hands off with training. Yeah, yeah. His coaches would do all the training. Clough would just be like a figurehead, spiritual head. leader. Yeah, yeah. Like a, this ghost the, that the, would hang the, around. Yeah, the sort of culture the comes down from him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
It's a good style of management, that. Well, it is. That's it, if, if I was if a football manager, that's what I'd do. Yeah, skive off. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah. <laughs> as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So then he says, my career at Sunderland ended after a difficult three or four weeks. Not two or three months like I've seen other managers get. We were still on a point a game. If he kept that up for ten years, he'd still be in the Premiership. But it was over. And uh, Yeah, he, he basically... I don't know if it was a mutual agreement thing, but he, he basically got sacked. And we were doing all right. It was a bit of a surprise. The form wasn't great, but um, we didn't think we were going to get relegated that season. And he, he was... I mean, he, he bought some awful players, and he bought, like, Chimbonda and El Hadjouf and a couple of other... D- Weird, from like, Unroy Keane-like signings, in a way. Yeah. I mean, Juve, problematic player. Chimbonda, yeah. famously lazy. Yeah. Uh, Which proved so it's pecu- peculiar that he um, got these lads in, but didn't sign Robbie Savage. Yeah, um, and he says it was over. It still saddens me. I still think I should be the manager of Sunderland. That that, that fucking breaks my heart. That <laughs> I still think I should be the manager of Sunderland, and I think a lot of Sunderland fans still think he should have been as well because it felt like it was something that was taken away. That was it a turning point? Well, yeah, because his um, one of his coaches, Ricky Spragia took over till the end of the season and we just stumbled across the he's, line he's got an anecdote about it hasn't he because they're off watching a game him and his two coaches Ricky yeah. Sprager and he goes would either of you lads fancy managing one day and yeah. one of them went nah not really and then Ricky he goes, what about you Ricky and Ricky went no no way and he went alright Fucking calm down! Yeah. I really fucking ask you. No, never, I'm just saying. I never want to be a manager. Never with... ever. All right, all right. It's only a fucking question. No one's had any conversation with me about it at all. Yeah. It's not something I'd ever do. I'm happy being number two or number three or even a number four. Whatever you fucking want, just not your job. <laughs> I'm never going to take your job, Roy. Stop looking at me like that. Can I get out of the car now? <laughs> uh, I still think I should be manager of Sunderland. I really like the club and I like the people, but that is the end of a significant chapter for Roy Keane. Yeah. Uh, a few days after I left Sunderland, he said, Dwight York texted me, all the best. Now, he'd had some little fallings out with Dwight York because Dwight had uh, reignited his international career with Trinidad and Tobago against Roy's wishes. Yeah. And he'd been going off on international duty, jollies, you could call it, yeah. to the Caribbean. Uh, so, a few, York, he texted me, all the best. I texted him back, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him a few years ago we both played in a charity match we said hello to each other but there was no real conversation mainly I think because the last con- communication he'd had between each other was go, go fuck yourself, yourself yeah. that's the problems Yoki had and it's sad because I had great days with Yoki I could have handled things differently <laughs> it's great the self-reflection he does show some self-reflection and analysis that's like Alan Partridge needless to say I had the last laugh yeah yeah, yeah. it's a recurring theme I could have handled things differently <laughs> but I didn't yeah so there you go so that's the end of the Sunderland chapter and we'll we'll end this episode here and it'll be Ipswich in the next episode his second crack at management mm. and we'll see where that takes us he has a real affection in, in the book as a whole you realise he, he has a real affection and quite a lot of regrets about Sunderland like yeah. he, he thought it was a good club and a good job yeah. and he loved it and Ipswich no didn't work like that nothing so at like all from, from day one it was almost like Celtic all over again. Welcome yeah. to hell. Yeah, it's going to be fun, that one. Yeah. So let's do that in the next episode. Thanks for listening. This is Top Flight Time Machine. We are on Twitter at TF Time Machine if you want to follow us. Subscribe um, on iTunes or wherever it is. Um, we're on Spotify as well. We're everywhere. I don't know how you fucking do it. It's good being on Spotify. I get my podcasts on um, something, I don't know, some app called <laughs> Podcasts. 
Yeah, that's the iTunes one, I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll, like edit, that, this, then. I'll edit this bit out. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>